Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Straight From The Hot Tap. This is our very first post-launch episode and with the podcast live and our fans increasing in numbers, we take a look at some of the very first reviews to previous episodes. Along with the regular segments such as Taunton Matters and Matt's Rants, we discuss the best way to spend a load of regeneration money on Taunton, how to improve the Olympics and why the bloodiest sizes would make an excellent theme for a casino. Things get political, the defecating fox visits Cheshire and I explain why you'll never find a red sofa at Essex County Council. I'm Matt. I'm Johnny. I am Josh. And I'm Matt. And this, and this is, is Straight, straight from, from the Hot Tap. Safety first at Taunton Recycling Centre. Um, <laughs> I thought of you last night, Johnny. I went, I went for a walk last. I, I went for a walk last night, and um, you know how you know how when kids like throw their gloves out of prams. There was a pair of gloves on the on the floor um, as I went to, went on my walk, and when I came back again, a fox had shat on them. No. That is yes. fantastic. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It happened, you know, in the space of an hour, this fox had just found this pair of gloves. It must be the same with. fox. That's all I can say. It must be the same <laughs> fox. He's like, he's like done a 400 mile round trip to, to have an opportunist glove shit. Sort of yeah. fox community, do we think? I mean, is this like a fox behavior? Like we need a sort of fox behavioral analyst. Perhaps we can get one on yeah. the next show. Yeah. Michelle, yeah. This seems yeah. to be, you know, obviously quite a common occurrence we're talking about foxes in sussex foxes in (laughs) in south cheshire yeah south cheshire shitting on things that people don't want them to shit on i blame immigration it's only in london where the foxes just walk around with guns and steal babies everywhere else they just just shit on stuff do you have urban foxes in america well we call them coyotes you hear them howling at night sometimes and they go around in packs and they're very very dangerous if you have like a dog and cat, particularly particularly where I live, because I'm right with the hills here. When they when they're sort of doing their thing though in America, do you often? I mean, do you often hear like a sound of sort of dynamite going off or an anvil dropping on the head, and then a sort of <laughs> yeah? Because I'm spending a lot of time in the desert now, and I found one outside the house there, just dead, being eaten by a crow the other day. It was quite grotesque. Nice. That's pretty sketchy. Yeah. I remember my grandparents lived in Africa. In the in the uh, in the eighties, my mum and dad went out to no, it, was, it would have been seventies before I was born. So my mum and dad went out to to see my nanny and grandpa, uh, and they went to this game reserve somewhere in the Serengeti or something. Anyway, they had this um this like um house with a veranda. They're overlooking a, a watering hole, and my my dad got up in the night for a piss, and he kind of heard this what he thought was um my grandmother snoring, kind of low rumbly noise. <laughs> And he, and he, he had a little look, a little look out the window, and there was a lion resting his back on the front door of his house. Oh my god! Oh my god! How sketchy is that? That's fantastic. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Is that the rug in your house at your parents' house, Matt? <laughs> yeah, could be. Well, I was going to ask if if, uh, if your granddad took his slipper off and gave it a good spanking. <laughs> Chased it around the house. Chased it around the house. Locked it in downstairs loot. Spanked the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Anyway, g- g- big news, guys. We're we're officially live. Listening What's, figures are, are in. What are our stats? Our stats. You know, they they could do with some work. If I'm brutally honest, <laughs> I think at, at last counts, um, there's been. I, I'm guessing that these numbers are in the thousands rather than just 
you know, as as they, as they are on the site. But so far, we've had thirteen listens. So you know, cool. that's not so bad from zero publicity. Thirteen friends and family. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. yeah, so I think we've had a couple, a couple of reviews as well. Actually, a couple of oh. comments on the site. I don't, I'm a bit worried. Yeah, about what do they say? Well, one's from a guy called Matt Gray. Oh, yeah. Um, oh. Who is that guy? Who is that guy? Who is that guy, yeah. So this is actually a very good podcast. I thought it was going to be awful, but I listened. And although I found it very offensive, I still loved it. And then at the bottom, I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> that, sounds a sort of, that sounds like a sort of comment from someone who's based in Taunton. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It does, actually. Yeah. And there's another one here from, from, from somebody called Elizabeth. I was looking for a podcast with advice on my newly installed instant hot water tap when I came across this. Not <laughs> quite what I expected. I am now slightly traumatised by stories of cat spanking and a 2,000-year-old Pompeian man in a rather compromising pose. <laughs> nice. I need to rethink my search criteria. So oh, this is that, brilliant. That's that so great. good. Yeah, I, yeah. I also, I perhaps should have thought this through before I sent it out, but I thought it'd be quite nice to to get the podcast out through, um, you know, through the Taunton Council and so on. So I thought, you know, send it to the Taunton Tourist Information Office. Um, they could put it on their website. I, I should have probably read this before I read it out. Dear Mister Beatty, many thanks for forwarding Taunton Tourist Information Office a link to you straight from the hot tap. We listened to the podcast hoping that it could bring a new method of spreading the word about Taunton to potential visitors, which, as I'm sure you can appreciate, are much needed at the moment. That's nice. Unfortunately, after listening to it, I regret that we will not be taking up your suggestion of a live event in the Castle Hotel, nor are we willing to sponsor you. In fact, I have to say that I found the podcast to be, to be, to be shambolic. Lacking in wider public appeal and at times downright offensive. <laughs> That's I, I urge you to visit the town to see for yourself the work that the council and residents have done to make the town a tourist destination of choice rather than the negative and laughably amateur review, in inverted commas, you gave it across the episode I had the misfortune to listen to. <laughs> Nice. Good work. I will that not is... be subscribing to Straight from the Hot Tap, nor will be featuring it in our Discover Taunton section of our website. In fact, I've asked our legal team to spot check future episodes for slanderous no. content and will not hesitate to issue proceedings if such nonsense oversteps the mark. Oh my Yours, god. Oh my Dude, why did you approach this person? Asking for sponsorship at a live event at the Castle <laughs> I think it's great. No, even for the stars, you might hit the moon. That's what they say, isn't it? Well, we seem to have hit a pretty cantankerous councillor, is what he seems to have hit. They're all like that, though. I know. I, know. I was going to suggest today that we, we actually agree that we can advertise the first one. I think we need to get it out there. Where are we thinking of advertising it? I don't know how you do these things. Matt's the expert. I was going to take out a, a full-page spread in the Daily Telegraph, perhaps. I think so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, what we what we should definitely do is get a full page spread in the in the Somerset County Gazette. I think yeah, so. yeah, that would be good actually. Uh, be with nice. the link like um, photoshopped onto the councillor's forehead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, all the journalists have been fired from it. Oh, yeah, because of COVID. I hope so. After that kind of attitude. Well, there's another review here actually uh, on the on Acast. I downloaded this inverted commas so called podcast looking for light entertainment and factual content about Taunton. Instead, I was subjected to a cacophony of giggling from four people who were not even from Taunton. <laughs> By the end of episode one, I had a headache and a nosebleed. I am outraged. 
<laughs> by a guy called Jed. Do you think that's the same Jed that we <laughs> pulled out of the Taunton Museum that time? I think he must be. I mean, Jed, go see a doctor. I think it's just good to make people annoyed and make them write bad things about it because it just means that more yeah, no, people true. listen to it. No, you're probably right. I mean, do, do you reckon they, they used to sort of lambast like some stuff like the day to day? Do you remember the outcry about the, the pedophile one? I mean, it basically took it off the yeah. airwaves. Yeah. Oh, it did. Yeah, that was the end of it. Yeah. yeah. yeah that was, but it was so, I mean, it, it was so it was, funny. The show was absolutely brilliant. Incredible. Just that one to deal with London's um, homeless problem. They did a whole report on the fact that they were clamping the homeless. Yeah, that's right. And then they, <laughs> they filmed like a, a sort of row of three or four guys on the pavement with the, these huge, like, traffic yellow traffic clamps no. on and then they interviewed they managed to get samantha fox <laughs> and, they, and they were like uh, you know so what do you think about you know look at this footage um, you know they are clamping the homeless and she was obviously outraged so how, how are we guys anyway josh have you uh, have you been investigating taunted matters this week well i have actually i can run you through a few a few items sadly there's no people this week on who are talking about you know, trying to identify a spider in their shed or anything. Here's one for the naysayers. We do put a positive spin on things as well. So, mm. you know, hear this. Big shout out to Daniel Hughes, who has been clearing up literally trolley loads of litter. He's just taken it upon himself. Um, a lot of mostly plastic bottles and stuff. You've got to give credit to that. Littering really bothers me. Hats off to that guy. That's what Daniel. So thanks to that's, Daniel that's Hughes. good work. Um, another thing that caught my attention was it was a photograph of uh, the Taunton uh, race course and the main you know the main building there yeah um, is it will be will be a mass vaccination center so good news although you know there's a there's a sort of clear concern here about the sort of potential mix up of t- of drugs you know whether it be sort of ketamine or some sort of russian engineered performance enhancer you know that's going to literally sort of turn the octogenarians of Taunton <laughs> It's a crazed group of people frothing at the bit, running fast and ma- mating with each other around the race. Only eight days later in Cocoon. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, there's someone called uh, Elisa Wilkinson who's asking if the county council offices are staffed so she can actually pay for her parking permit. You know, even in times where there is no COVID, trying to get stuff done at your county council office is, is nigh impossible. I used to work for a county council. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, you've got the inside scoop. What's the deal? So, so did, uh, this, this little anecdote sums up t- county council life. Everyone in a county council is brainwashed into thinking that it's the government's fault for whatever problems there are. So you can't afford to you know, take, take a child away from its heroin-addicted mother. It's because, the, it's because of the Tories or because of the Labour <laughs> government. or You know, there's always a reason for it. Yeah. Um, but what people don't realise is how much money is wasted in those organisations. So yeah. um, when I was there um, working within the children's services team, they brought in a team of very well-paid uh, executives um, whose job it was to, to, to look at performance improvement. Um, and one of the first things they did was a branding exercise. So we were to go to this like hotel in the country where we were fed with um, cheap coffee and um, very poorly uh, constructed sandwiches and, and subjected, to, subjected to some long-winded presentations by, by people that had clearly been watching Stephen Covey videos on YouTube or something. Anyway, we were basically told that we had to sort of come up with some ideas about how we could 
um, make the council a great place to work. Anyway, about six months later, they released the, the company Values, um, which was Prism. Um, which stood for um, prison or prison. Prism. Well, that was that was the joke because it's like oh, right, prison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so it, it was an, an acronym which stood for passionate, responsive, inspirational, supportive, and motivating was the M. Um, and then and they were all given a colour. So the the the, the, you know, the P was red. You know the, the the R was blue, and so on. My blood's sort of slowly coming up to a boil. It cost hundreds of thousands of pounds. So we, I came in one Monday, and the entire building was was just redecorated in all of these colours. Um, and there was just like this sort of breakout area, it was like the giant pagoda at Kew Gardens. You can go and sit and have a coffee. And it was all rebranded. And they all had these um, these sofas, all different colours. And I like, literally two two weeks later. I had a meeting with my with my colleague, and there seemed to be some sofas missing. I sort of joked about it, and I said, "Look, so somebody come in and rob the sofas because there's not enough to sit in. What's going on?" And she said, "No, no, they've had to take out some of the sofas because there were complaints." I was like, "Why is this?" And she said, "Yeah, because um, people were finding that when they had meetings in in this uh, breakout space, that nobody would sit in the in the passionate chair." because they found it offensive. So they removed all of the red passionate chairs because of the risk of harassment and innuendo meetings. This is absolutely true. Can you imagine? Goodness me. That is right there. I mean, what I'm pretty sure is if if you sort of put all those colours in a a pot and mix them together, you would just get a sort of a beige stain of mediocrity. Yeah, you would. That's exactly true. Yeah, I know. Johnny, you must have had some of these sort of exercises at work, have you, in the past? Oh, yeah, a few like that. But the main the main one is always to, um, the, the, the go-to one is always to build build as long a bridge as you can out of, uh, just out of paper and sellotape. Um, no. which is um which is a bit of a bit of a bit of a mundane classic and and usually the paper is just one color it's not even multicolored which oh, is no. you know real shame unfortunately but surely a group of engineers would be able to make an infinitely long bridge out of paper and sellotape the perpetual bridge yeah, yeah. we we do all the time i'm still working on several workshops concurrently at the moment they just never end <laughs> <laughs> Finally, someone called Samantha Windsor has asked the group, is there a local MP or mayor in Taunton? Not since the Separatist Rebellion in 1982. I was imagining if that actually <laughs> happened. And what would be the hierarchy? I mean, I imagine like maybe going back to earlier podcasts, maybe the whole dean of Taunton would be run by King Caddick. Um, <laughs> with, a sort of, yeah. with a sort of gold crown perched on top of his impressive ears. And, and, and the way that and he would publicly you know, punish any outsiders with a, with a no pads, no helmet, no bat spell, <laughs> aggressive fast bowling. I think Matt should run for mayor of Taunton, personally. Yeah, yeah mayor in absentia. I think you've been excellent mayor in absentia, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, my my political ambitions are uh, preclude running for mayor of Taunton. I'm more focused on my campaign to become president of the United States. Aren't you just banned for life for that, though, Matt, because of your British passport and long, distinguished list of felonies? Can all of your campaign videos be filmed in the in the gun range? That actually will get me a, 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 an instant groundswell of thousands of followers, yeah. You know, that's 50% of the vote straight away, right? Got to be. Definitely. My local gun range, they all voted for Trump and they 
are, are keen that you know that because they have two signs telling you that in the office. So, <laughs> you know, and you can't really argue with them because they're armed to the teeth. And because they're patriots. Do you play along, though? Do you say, oh, yeah, God, what a sad day today. We actually had quite an interesting (laughs) conversation that I was listening in on. The Capitol riots two weeks ago. um, It was really interesting what they were saying, because one of them, this guy, they're all these old white guys, right? Trump was such an idiot because he told them all to go in there. And then the next day he said, yeah, but don't break anything. Don't commit any criminal activity. He completely betrayed them. And then the other guy goes, yeah, but you know as well as I do that all the guys that went in there, they were all Antifa. That's post post truth. Post truth. We're in a post truth world. Matt, but what was it like, Matt, in the in the Senate? Was the, were the were the seats comfy when you were in there? It was it was a moment of destiny. What can I say? Did you get any good souvenirs? I don't even want to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> Do you know? I watched an episode. I think the first time I've ever seen it. Last night I watched an episode of the The Crown. It makes you realize how impressive Margaret Thatcher was. Dude, yeah. Um, what? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which bit in particular was uh, impressive well she's just such a great leader you know and it's just like she's obviously just like she's a lightning rod like people absolutely despise her and at the same time people absolutely love her but you just can't deny like who she was and what she did at all and I actually don't have a position on whether or not she was good or bad I think she was probably equally both like living in, in Argentina it was r- real eye opener because you know so many people died in the Falklands War that we just don't even think about. And just because they were just poor and expendable. And we just look at it as like this kind of heroic victory thing, which is complete nonsense. By the way, you know, the, the people in the Falklands are famous for being really stupid. Like, like, like that's another thing I didn't realise. Like, they're dunce people. <laughs> sorry, Argentina, sorry. You know what I mean? But like, but no, no, no. I mean, the British people who live in the Falklands, right? They're famous for being like really dumb. They have a joke about the islanders because they're just, they're so, they're so stupid. But, um... What's really interesting um, about watching is it made me realize like, like what an amazing leader she was. Like she did have that leadership that you just can't deny. The thing I find really odd about, you know, that, that, that debate about Thatcher and and also it's it's relevant to to Trump as well is I find it really odd how people can like love passionately a politician. I mean, you know, I don't know you guys, is there any politician in your lifetime that you've had a really deep, sense of respect and affection for not not a british politician no way i've always admired french politicians <laughs> when we were when we were doing some traveling we were in uh, matt you might have already you might have been in california at the same time but we were we were in california in the um in the run-up to the elections and at that point there was a sort of maximum groundswell of of love particularly i guess in, and in california it's sort of home territory for, for the democrats mm. and and it was it was kind of difficult not to swept up in in the sort of wave of, of national excitement about Obama's yeah. campaign and, and the probability of him being um, president and the dawn of a new era and so on and so forth. And that's but that's the only time I've ever seen, you know, this sort of um, strength of personality and, and like this mm. ge- genuinely like singular human form of like hope right and i know yeah. he, he you know he's a smart campaigner and a smart politician you don't sort of see the same cult of personality i think in 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 uk politics watching the inauguration made me realize how 100% based on emotion and theater us society is 
Whereas in the UK, everything's based on uh, intellectualism and analysis. Here, the it like like the value of emotion is so high. The value to motivate people emotionally, and that's what you're talking about, Johnny, is so high. Honestly, the one politician that I've ever felt at all close to is Bernie Sanders, because although I probably don't agree with a lot of his policies, and if I studied them in depth, I'd be like, no, that's ridiculous, and. The, uh, you know, the, the US attitude to socialism is super weird on both sides, right? When he talks about stuff, you realize like he's such a common sense person that he's mm. so, he's got this combination of being articulate. He's very well spoken. Very. But yeah. he also just like, he puts the situation in complete practical clarity. He is the slight antithesis of the of the glitz of the that sheen of American politics. Obama, Biden, Trump is they're all glamorous for different in different ways, but they all they definitely all appeal in that. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover, a lot of similarity yeah. with um, the Corbyn hardcore support in this yeah, country. Isn't just there? You know, right. like that. I mean, there's a leader, I suppose. If, if, you know, if you can call him a leader, that um, that had that. That massive, that massive love and obsession from a hardcore group of people. Um, but what I found really bizarre living in the Northwest, which has, you know, which is quite, you know, quite, quite, quite divided, I suppose, politically. You know, so where I live, um, Crewe and Nantwich is often regarded as a, as a battleground. Nantwich is quite conservative, quite, you know, quite, quite wealthy. A lot of farmers, um, a lot of landowners, and so on. A lot of business owners. It's so typically typically votes conservative whereas labor whereas labor heartland is definitely crew and what was really interesting was how how uh, the, the the kind of traditional labor voter in crew was, was was swinging over to the tories because they just could not abide a pseudo-academic left-wing bleeding art you know liberal that, that basically hated everything that the, the traditional working class man stands for do you know what i mean i, I know someone um, who used to work in politics um, on in, on the conservative side, not for the conservative party, but there's just so. But listening to her stories, there's just so many um, infights in each party. There's so mm. each each party is so divided within itself, and there are so many sort of um, you know little associations and groups um, with different names and different agendas supporting different. You know, mainstream politicians or you know more powerful politicians within each group. That it's so splintered, it's unbelievable. There's such a lack of unity, and it, it's kind of just. But it also gives you a very good idea for when you, when you, when we do sort of, I guess, meet the politicians for real when they start. You know, when they're in government or in the shadow government, you you really get a sense of just how locked in this political world they are. I want my 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 leader of the country to be. A really fucking good administrator. I want them to be really, really good at stuff. Like, you know, like being prepared for meetings, like understanding the facts and the figures. Like, <laughs> you know, the really brainy stuff that mere mortals like me can't understand. The man who knows his highlighter isn't going to run out. Right, e- exactly. I want the guy that, that, that gets up in the morning and irons his fucking underpants before he puts them on. That That's what I want in, in, my, in my leader. I don't want charisma. Really? I don't want... I don't want vision and, you know, passion and all that crap because it's absolute nonsense. The whole thing's horseshit. 
you know, running the country is like running an enormous an enormous factory where you've got people, you know, on the, on on the shop floor. You've got people in accounts. You've got people in you know on the in sales. Got, do you know what I mean? You've yeah. got this massive a giant breakout room for the multicolored sofas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So imagine Johnny. So like, imagine the country's like a giant construction site, which is pretty much what it is, isn't it? You know, you need somebody. <laughs> you know, you need your estimator to 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 work out how much stuff costs. You know, and you need the, the, yeah. the clever one that knows how to construct two beams out of different metals. Do you know what I mean? I agree with you, but I, th- I think I, I, it just it just amazes me that 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 you could elect um, executive power to um, someone who has a, no history of managing and delivering huge ventures and strategies and policy. Uh, uh, this not just Johnson, but Johnson typifies this. Yeah, you know, he he's a journalist. Yes, he's he's a journalist. But I don't think being a journalist writing to a brief, you know, writing to the tone of, a, of any given publication where you shape shift and, 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 you know, know what your audience is, that, that gives you certain skills, but it does not give you the skills to be that administrator no. role. How complex has Brexit become? Everyone saw the years could be the easiest negotiation in the history of negotiating. No, it's not. It's really complex. Get somebody clever to do it, not but some it, absolute numpty that writes joke articles for the Spectator. He was opportunist. You know, he saw the power of that. He he identified the power of that of Brexit being, you know, an emotional ticket that he could get behind. And he's 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 ridden. It, it reminds me though. It reminds me, Matt. You might remember this actually. You're going back, going back to school dates. You know, where we had um, a load of exams kind of concertinaed together. And and we had a history exam um, that, yeah, on the surface of things seemed quite easy. So because it was mo- a modular system, we thought, you know what, we'll, we'll put in for it yeah. because if the if the right questions come up, we're we're, we're going to sail through this, and it'll take a bit of pressure off come the end of the year. So we all put in for this for this history exam. None of us did any revision whatsoever. And I remember getting in getting into the exam um, into the exam room opening the paper and just getting this horrible feeling of dread and i just remember looking around at you matt and you just said out loud god no because <laughs> 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 we just had to sit there for an hour and a half or whatever and just like take the pain of something that was way outside of our, our, our capabilities and that's what it's like for Johnson. you get this sense when you're in the uk right really really strongly that like people people there value intellect very highly right and and it comes out in the way they write the way they speak and the way they write like people use a lot of long words and they use these um really concertinaed kind of verbose phraseology when they write stuff that we just don't do here right it comes it comes across as an exercise in intellectual point scoring right and so the world that Johnson comes from, remember he was a guest on Have I Got News For You and stuff a lot. He comes from this culture of intellectual point scoring, which makes him completely ill-suited to any kind of actual power control because everything's gone from being a journalist, like you said, Johnny, to being someone who actually executes and does policy. And he's completely divorced from the responsibilities of, that position and so it's almost like the perfect nightmare for people because suddenly this guy who's been a champion of intellectual point scoring has been given an actual role 
in policy mm-hmm. and not only policy, but he's been given an actual role in executing what's potentially the most important decision in the country for a generation. And it's got, as the person in charge of it, the most ill-suited possible mm-hmm. person that could possibly be given the job in the whole of Westminster. So it's almost like the perfect nightmare. I remember that exam, right? And I remember mm. not caring because I also instinctively had the clarity to realize it's just a test, it doesn't matter. And for Boris Johnson, he's exactly in the position I was yeah. in when I did that, that exam. Ultimately, it doesn't matter for him. He's just a rich guy. On the subject of exams, Matt, it just, just got me thinking, actually. I owe your cousin an oh, apology. Yeah? One, of, one of my high-risk uh, pranks that very nearly backfired badly <laughs> involved Tom Burthen in an exam. Um, so, so, so oh. yeah, because obviously our surnames, <laughs> we had James in front of me and Tom Burthen behind me. You know when you used to walk into the exams, you used to have the, the paper face down in front of you? Um, well, I, I managed with a bit of sleight of hand to, to, to slide a pornographic photograph inside Tom Burton's exam paper. <laughs> so that when, when the teacher said, right, you turn over your pages and you may start your exam, <laughs> he opened up and rather than page one a list of instructions and some, and some paper to take notes on, he saw Donna from Essex. <laughs> 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 and of course it gave him oh, such an almighty so shock and um, yeah the, the, the teacher I forget which one it was now yeah, yeah just sort of sorted <laughs> over is everything alright Tom and luckily he held it together and um, yeah <laughs> did he know did he instantly know it was you <laughs> I don't know to be fair I don't know whether he did or not because we never discussed it did since. he submit it as one of his answers <laughs> yeah was it, was it biology exam yeah <laughs> it was certainly anatomically correct. Anyway, speaking actually speaking of government and administration, this sort of brings me brings me loosely back to to Taunton. So a bit of t- news, a bit of news coming out of uh, out of the um, the Taunton area recently. It's quite good actually. Twenty four million pounds of funding has been given to to to, to Somerset and to Taunton um, for regeneration projects. Which was pretty nice. So it got me thinking, right? If, I, if if we were in charge of this this fund of twenty four million pounds, what would we do to regenerate Taunton? Well, when I uh, when I lived in Munich for a little bit, they had this thing which was which would suit Taunton quite well, and it was just a man made weir that turned into a permanent surfing weir. Oh yes, I've seen and that. You could just yeah. go along, and you could surf on it, and it was so popular. Even you know. On cold days in the winter, it was um, it always had people on it. I mean, there's just queues and queues of guys in the middle of this park in Bavaria, with with their with their surfboards under their arm. So that that should be top of the list. Oh, that's a great idea because then you could open it'd have a whole industry around it, wouldn't it? You could have a surf shop. Yeah. You could have a you know yeah. a bar with like a little terrace overlooking mm. it. So you could have. You know, competitions invite Kelly Slater and all those you know <laughs> pro dudes right, to come yeah. and come to try it out. That that's yeah. a great idea. How much is, can you get one for twenty four million? Is that is that in budget? Do you reckon? Uh, you might you might get a sort of like you know an average one for that. I think you know you might need to top it up to get to get a full sort of like um, you know Mavericks type pipe. It might cost you a bit more. Where would you put it? Where, where would you where would you situate it? 
next to the bridge, I think, um, outside Della's, and then you can get all the audience on the bridge taking photos and cheering everyone on. That would be quite cool, actually. You could actually make it part nice. of Della's, couldn't you? you know, yeah, so yeah. You, know, you put your... You... Get it floodlit, a bit of nighttime surfing. Yeah, you could, get, you could hire wetsuits Drop the point break as well as downing yeah. 15 tequila slammers. It was 17, was actually. it? 17. Are you still the, the holder <laughs> of the unofficial record for tequila slammers in one night in season? I think it's a joint record. I think, I think uh, I'm not sure if we're mentioning names, but it was a joint record. With, with... Who, who, uh, who, who fared best afterwards? Was it you or the other person? Um, I, I think, I think we were, I mean, that was a pretty low bar we're talking about there. It was, I think no one fared anything. There was no, there, it was just, the, the meter just read zero on Did everyone. <laughs> Josh, how would you describe the aftermath of that particular night? You, if you were to give it well, you know, one word. <laughs> Um, <laughs> sleepless for me. <laughs> I'm still hungover. Yeah, well, Josh, what about you? Have you got any ideas for 24 million pounds of regeneration money? What would you do with oh it? Oh my god, it's difficult, isn't it? Because 24 millions on 24 million in a sort of big town is actually not going to go that far, probably. But obviously, I spent quite a lot of my formative years in the swimming pool yeah. at St James's. Once you're inside, it was quite nice. I guess it was probably a 20, 1920s or 30s building. And um, I don't know if you yeah, guys ever did, went yeah, in Yeah, it's, there, it's a nice it? building, yeah. Yeah, it was a kind of like a sort of gallery, yeah. wasn't there? There was a gallery, balcony for spectators around the whole of the swimming pool, actually. But I think I've read that it's gone. Um, and probably since quite some time ago, I'd reinstate Taunton Swimming Club and make a nice big pool. That's very nice. Yeah, that's a nice idea. Nice. That's, that, that's one that actually happened. I mean, yeah, that's good. I think twenty-four yeah. mil. We could we could go with yeah. that, can we? I think the councillor might take that and like actually sort of like re- reevaluate his earlier criticism of this podcast because that's, that's very constructive. Although he'd probably take a twenty-three million in yeah. consulting fees and give one million to his mate, the architect, to come up with the plans. If we're going to engage with him, just say, "Listen, I'm talking about a blue sofa analogy." <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Matt, what would you what would you spend twenty four million pounds on? Well, I mean, sometimes like impoverished communities and stuff, like you know, towns of you know, seeing better days. When they get access to regeneration money, they often have a particularly novel way of reinventing themselves, which is really effective. I'm sure you can guess what I'm saying. They build a casino. For <laughs> example, <laughs> now, now I I um. For example, like the nearest big casino to me is a place called Morongo Casino. Hmm. And um, it's this very poor Indian tribe got access to California money and they built a huge casino, which towers over the desert for hundreds of miles. I just think like there's an obvious case for, you know, Taunton has such a rich and varied history, um, using their history as a basis for, frankly, a brand new casino project. I know just where to build it. There's that particularly blighted area around the roundabout, so that that's all got to go. Um, I think I think what we need to do is arrive early in the morning with, you know, an army of labourers, a few backhoes, and some bulldozers. That's got to go. All of it. We'll, we'll lay the cement foundations for a brand new Taunton casino that you can see for hundreds of miles. Like when you come, in, like my idea of the project is when you're coming to land. On your like shitty cheap airline flight, Bristol Airport, you should be able to look through the murky 
uh, low-lying cloud that's always fucking hanging in the air there. And you can see the twinkling lights of say like, look, it's the Taunton Casino. And <laughs> that's why we're the here. Taunton, yeah, the, the thousand room Taunton Casino containing, just like Morongo, a daily 24-hour surf and turf buffet. <laughs> Bar. And here's the, and here's the best part: spa and twenty four hour gun range, right? <laughs> and here's the, here's the best part. Here's the best part: it's all. And remember, you've got to use history as the theme for these things to make them successful. So we want to bring out the local color, you know. Celebrate what makes Taunton Taunton through the the aging. So the whole casino is themed on. What better than the keynote event of Taunton history, the 1681 Bloody Assizes. The Taunton Cathedral is themed on that 12-day brutal military trial where members of the Monmouth Rebellion were sentenced to be hung, drawn and quartered, based, remember, at the Castle Hotel. So what we've got to have is this like bloody assizes theme constantly. What you're seeing from those planes coming into land, that's the powerful neon searchlights that come from the eyes of the 100-foot statue of Judge Jeffries, who sits top of <laughs> Right? That's, what, that's how I would regenerate Taunton. Yeah. I, 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 right, I, I think, yeah, I can definitely see some, some legs in that, in that plan. Me, I, I just love, I love the sense, I love the sense of ambition, you know. So similarly, actually, I, I thought of just thinking big <laughs> with, with my idea, which was to spend twenty four million pounds on on an Olympic bid, particularly if we could get some private funding for Johnny's <laughs> surf machine and Josh's swimming pool. Um, but also with this casino, you know, that'd be a great sort of place to put the Olympic Village, wouldn't it? You know, when the guys have finished doing their their running and jumping, they can go in. Get, go and splash some cash in the casino and it also means it also means that like when they want to relax guests can make use of any one of the thousand rooms that we're going to have and um there'll be a constant surf and turf buffet as i've said um they can they can relax in the spa whenever they want and don't forget if they just want to kick back there's a a state-of-the-art gun range with every weapon they could ever want to fire, you know, including grenade launcher, uh, full automatic machine gun. That's a great idea. And, you know, any kind of trophy rifle, you know. So... It says regeneration as well, Matt, doesn't it? I think my concern with the Olympic bid, though, is, I, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know whether... Whether Taun- whether Olympics really fits with Taunton's image, but I did I did have an idea actually. It goes back to a conversation that I remember Matt and I had over a beer many years ago, which is that the one problem with the Olympics is is the drug use, um, or more to the point, the lack of drug use. So I thought it'd be quite interesting to have an alternative Olympics where it's actually compulsory to take drugs rather than illegal to take drugs. <laughs> Like recreational ones or just proper hardcore, yeah. you know, performance related ones. Well, I, I thought there could be two. I thought there could be two different types of competitions. So a bit like you've got the Paralympics and the Main Olympics. You could have one which is purely performance in. I mean, just imagine a hundred meters in five point four seconds. Imagine somebody running a marathon in under an hour. 
Imagine somebody throwing a shot put a hundred meters. I mean, this is this is box office stuff. It should basically it should look like basically when they pl- when they fire the starting pistol, it should basically look like that scene in Twenty Eight Days Later when you know they get chased <laughs> through London by zombies. Like that's what it should look yeah, like. Yeah, definitely. And then you can you know after you've kind of had the you know the, the full on high performance drugged up Olympics, then you can have the more the more comical recreational drugs Olympics. So again, I, th- I thought the idea of watching the crystal meth pole vault <laughs> How many would actually would be make quite it over entertaining. Up? Even if it was like literally sort of two metres off the ground. But, but obviously the, with this casino, we've got a, you know, a strong, a strong you know, bookmaker thing going on as well. So you, know, you could go in there and you could take bets on who is going to make it over the, the pole on, on different drugs. Maybe you have somebody on crystal meth and then somebody on, I don't know, crack cocaine. Um, it'd be interesting to see which nice. which one would yeah. win, wouldn't it? Really, would be great. Yeah, heroin boxing would be quite funny. Are you saying like, as it's the pole vault, it'd be, it would literally be a contest of who could get the highest? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Watching a boxing bout where both the boxers are, are, are on heroin would be quite inter- interesting. This is horrible. Well. So it'd probably be a lot of a flurry of activity and then a bit of a come down, I expect. But, but yeah, what kind of events do you think you could put in this? There's a number of them out there. I mean, what in the? I, I love the. I mean, I like the idea of just the classical one. A drug infused 100 meters would be quite interesting. See what's possible. Do you reckon they'd all have to take the same drug though? Well, maybe, maybe they could be like rounds. You know, so the the winner of the crack cocaine round would then go up. So the final would actually be all the quickest runners who'd won the, their heat, as it were, from the crack cocaine heat, you know, the ketamine heat, the whatever, you know, all the way through, or different levels of steroids and, and, and performance-enhancing drugs. And, um, yeah. And then you just give the gold to the Russian guy. Well, they've been, to be fair, they've perfected their art over many years. I think years, they would start the first Taunton Olympics, clear, clear favourites in most events. So, Johnny, what, what about you? What, what event would you like to see most? At the Taunton Olympics, it's going to be Skittles on a wonky, a wonky pub <laughs> Skittle Alley, um, and um, yeah, just to continue the sort of uh, intoxicated theme to it, you, you know, several pints, preferably cider, before before taking part in um, in a in a sort of like very rambunctious, um, sledging heavy Skittles match, maybe with a bit of a fight in the car park afterwards. I like this. Definitely. I think as well, because obviously Taunton and that area is known for equestrianism, isn't it? And obviously, you know, courses are a big part of the Olympics. Well, I think you could definitely have a, a, a televised <laughs> competitive fox hunt. I mean, I'm all up for that. I mean, I'm, all, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not sort of a big one on animal cruelty, but when it comes to foxes, I'm all up for it. No problem. Yeah, I mean, I can. I, you'd probably had the candidate for the first one. Just, just get him inside a crate and ship him down the Taunton. We'll see how much time they have for some comedy fecal activity. When, be, when there's an Olympic question chasing them. Yeah, taking a taking a dump on the starter's whistle. A nice shit on the podium as a reward of their trophies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Cat spanking would be a very good competitive <laughs> sport, to be honest. Cat <laughs> spanking. Yeah, I think that would draw. Crit- and not that any other events would draw any criticism at all, but that one might. <laughs> 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 uh.
So yeah, I think <laughs> I think we've yeah we spent our, our money wisely with these with these plans. Guys, I'm, I'm pretty pretty pleased yeah. with that. It's an idea. Well, like the woeful defeat of the Monmouth Rebellion in 1685 at Sedgemoor, that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a comment, like and share if you enjoyed this badly organised insurrection of a show. If you didn't enjoy it, well, why not piss off to Dubai to work as an influencer selling plus-size swimwear? This week's shout-out goes to AM Bacon Agricultural Engineers, Taunton's premier dealer of tractors and agricultural machinery in the southwest. For over 30 years, this family-run business has been providing an excellent and passionate local service to the local farming community. No one has a better knowledge of tractors than the Bacons. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the fabulous Moran's Restaurant in Westwood Ho in Devon. In addition to some of the best pad thai in the Northern Hemisphere, their espresso martinis are to die for. This is Straight from the Hot Tap.